Global Sport Matters presents, in collaboration with Columbia University Sports Management, the Sports Professors Podcast, where Professors Kenneth Shropshire and Scott Rosner discuss the 101 on what happened in sports business. Hello, welcome to the Sports Professors Podcast. I'm Scott Rosner, Director of the Sports Management Program at Columbia University, along with Ken Tropshire, the Executive Director, CEO, and many other things of the Global Sports Global Sport Institute at Arizona State University. How are you doing today, Ken? Great, great, great. There's a, a, a lot going on as usual. We should just stop saying that, just accept that it's the sports world, so a lot is happening. Yeah, it's never a quiet moment. And it's crazy when you see it. And to me, like when it becomes pervasive is when you see it on the homepage of ESPN. Right. Uh, and it's making the crawl on the on the bottom. And, um, you know, as as Philly fans that we are, uh, we don't have a lot to you know be happy about right now on the sporting side. So uh, let's jump into the business side <laughs> and, uh, and, and shun the shun the fan side for uh, for a moment, because the Phillies. Uh, the quest for the postseason has ended as we sit here. It ended officially last night. Yeah. Uh, the Just Eagles are struggling. The, ben Simmons is, is refusing to play. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when's hockey season again? Right? Hockey season starts soon. We got the Flyers. We'll put our hopes in those guys. Simple so, thing. What, what about Penn? Is Penn winning? I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, it's a good question. Um, and uh, you're, you're a couple blocks away, so you can go check it out. Um, so, Ken, you know, we had a, a really interesting week in the business of sports. And, you know, our main topic of conversation is going to be around the NLRB uh, general counsel uh, and the memo issued by GC Jennifer Abruzzo uh, talking about college athletes as employees. Um, but I want to start with something else that I think caught both of our attention. Um, and that is the idea of Lamar Jackson, the star quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, of course, uh, representing himself in his negotiations with the Ravens uh, around an extension. Uh, and wanted to hear your thoughts on that and give a little color and background on uh, this, you know, this uh, uh, somewhat unusual scenario. Yeah, I mean, it is unusual, interesting and the economics of it certainly can make sense if the numbers come out the right way. I mean, at the, at the base of all this, as we know, agents across sports, it, it varies, but anywhere from you know, two and a half to maybe even 5%, depending, depending on the sport, probably an average of 3% of the entire salary. So uh, Lamar Jackson negotiated his own deal coming out of college. Not much to do. There's a, a rookie wage scale, so it's set. Um, and to agents credit, most often they take a lesser fee on that first deal. So there, there was probably some savings, um, uh, but, but, you know, nothing, nothing that the other players didn't get as well, but to do this, this next deal to, uh, extend his rookie deal. Now that's one where the agents would take the traditional percentage and over time, uh, there, there have not been a lot of athletes that have done this, but it's not, you know, it's not something that doesn't happen. And it's not something that doesn't happen, especially later in an athlete's career. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for him and, and to watch the commentary. I mean, part of what I'm enjoying watching is some of the agents criticizing him for doing this and, and how there's so much top secret information that agents have that the athletes can't acquire. And you, and you know about this, maybe you can talk about this some, what, what what do unions provide agents 
what do agents do on their own? I mean, what's what's unique about what agents can do? Yeah, that athletes can't get to do their own deal. Yeah, and so it's interesting, and, and just a little bit more background, and, and and to pick that piece up. So Jackson's uh, doing this with the help of his mother. Um, she also helped negotiate his, Jones, his right. rookie contract, right, Mrs. Jones. Um, and uh, you know, he did this for his first deal. Um, I, you know, obviously in the competitive business that is, that is rep- athlete representation, the other athletes are kind of slinging, uh, you know, various arrows and, uh, uh, at him and, and for doing this. Um, but the union, to answer your question about the union, the union actually helps all of the agents in the representation. They give them data on different deals. Uh, and really for Lamar Jackson in this one, it, it's a matter of slotting himself in kind of where do you fall in line with the other quarterbacks, take a little bit for inflation um, and kind of find your rightful place in the quarterback salary universe. You know, 2019 MVP, uh, this has been an ongoing negotiation. He's not a, he's not a free agent um, for another season or so. Uh, he's still got time uh, on his rookie scale contract, but um, you know, the free agent deal, teams are signing quarterbacks early. Um, you know, what I don't like about this, um, it's not the data part, although obviously, you know, Lamar and and, um, and uh, his manager and mother, Felicia Jones, um, you know, have experience doing one deal. The team obviously has a tremendous amount of experience. Eric DaCosta, the GM, and their negotiating team, they, they do hundreds and hundreds of deals. So there's a lack of... Um, uh, to a degree of a equal playing ground, at least in terms of uh, as it relates to the experience right. negotiating the deal. But the bigger thing to me is the is the buffer, right, that the agent provides. So it's one thing, and this is where we've seen this before, uh, where it's one thing if the athlete is hearing it through the agent, and the agent can kind of filter out a lot of the nonsense and the puffery that's back and forth uh, with the team as opposed to the athlete being in the room or the athlete's parent being in the room with the athlete and the general manager doing the negotiation and they're hearing the straightforward stuff. And for Lamar Jackson, it's, it's going to be very clear what the criticism is, right? Performance in big games, performance in the playoffs has not been what it's been in the regular season. Um, and yeah, you want to get paid like Patrick Mahomes win a Super Bowl, right? <laughs> um, you know, perform but, but is, you're great at the, in the biggest games. Agree. To some degree, Scott, I mean, this transparency, right? You you would hope that the coach has told him some of this, that it's not something that's, that's new to him. But you're absolutely right. When I when I wrote the book, uh, The Business of Sports Agents, originally Agents of Opportunity, in both times I had a, a chapter uh, that had within it, wasn't a whole chapter on this idea of negotiating for yourself. And you you pinpointed it. You, you, you get the, uh, the A plus, that, that it, is, it is that buffer. It is that relationship. That is the biggest problem. You can you can find out all, all the numbers. And even in this in this, as you described it, I mean, what what Jackson is going to have to do is estimate where he thinks he falls in this quarterback pantheon. You look at Mahomes, you look at the other deals that are out there that are in this kind of rookie extension kind of kind of space and figure out where, where he lies. And, it, and, and the truth of the matter is, as I try to tell people in a lot of these deals, to some extent, the science disappears and you do have to estimate where the number is as long as you know kind of the range and the players association will provide some judgment on that to him so so it won't be going in in that blind but it is 
and assuming they take all those those proper steps and assuming you know there, there's only so much additional contract language that can be uh, put in um, and, you know if, if you do something if you go too far outside you violate the collective bargaining agreement so there, there are there are these tremendous buffers there and by the way if you like you can pay a lawyer for a few hours to review the deal and maybe even a lawyer that's an agent that does this kind of work on an hourly basis. So, so there's a lot of, lot of help that, that can be given, but, but you're absolutely right. The relationship is, and, and we've seen this, right. We're, we're seeing it. You were, you were joking about the Sixers. Uh, we're seeing that with, with a player that we've seen this, this over time. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, a, a quarterback down at Houston, you know, Deshaun Watson, who's, you can see how important the relationship is with the team. And, and, if Jackson's relationship is good now, this could be something that causes causes problems. So yeah. yeah. And from the team perspective, it's interesting, you know, when we speak to team GMs and execs, um, you know, it's interesting. You would think that like, if you're buying a car or, you know, or, or an airplane or something else, you some transaction. I'm not buying an airplane, but yeah. Uh, well, you assume, Ken. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you're, so you're, when you buy your G5, Ken, you know, it's, you might want to negotiate with someone who you know a lot more about. You're an expert. They're not in sports. It, it doesn't quite sit that way. It, it's actually not exactly that way. You, what we hear from GMs all the time across the sports is they would much rather negotiate with an experienced negotiator than negotiate against the athlete, um, you know, either representing him or herself or with a family member representing uh, them where there's a lot less experience. So it, it is, because um, they become a lot more concerned about relationship. They understand the buffer. And it's just harder to negotiate a, a complex deal with someone who isn't as sophisticated in the landscape. Now, again, in, in this case, you can get help and the union can certainly be by your side um, the entire way and, and you know, really consult with you. And you, like you said, you can hire the lawyer, pay them, you know, even super high end lawyer, a thousand bucks plus an hour. Uh, it's still going to save you money on the overall deal. Uh, but it is something to, to keep our eyes on and, and just notable because we don't see it that often, especially with a really high profile athlete uh, who is really at the really top of the market like like Lamar Jackson is. Yeah. And, and in the end, there's this, too. I could probably paint my own house. But I could afford to pay somebody else to do it because I'd rather be doing something else. Well, can I pause on that for a second? You, you could actually paint your own house and like do a do a credible job. Interior. Get out of here. All the non-ladder work I could do. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. I, I, so, okay. So you can, you can paint like up to like six feet high on the ceiling, seven foot high on the ceiling. I don't have, I don't have the mansion that you have on my ceiling. You know, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. my, all my, my, my wall. Man, you're like George Jefferson. You got the deluxe apartment in the sky. high. high. Let, may I make my professional point here? <laughs> <laughs> But is that what I want to spend my time doing? Uh, would I rather be watching reruns of Bonanza and Gunsmoke and maybe doing some work than taking the time that it takes to paint? I still have to buy the paint. So there's still, still some expenditure. But, but how much is your time worth and what would you rather be doing? So that, that's another issue is this, this time that Jackson's spending focused on this. And you know, again, his, his mother seems to be leading the past. So maybe he's not spending that much time. And this is something that, that she enjoys doing, but that, that's the other issue that sits there as well. Yeah. And, and so just, you know, something to keep our eye on, you know, one of those things that it has to be handled 
gently in the negotiation. We've seen it go sideways before. Uh, we saw it in Philadelphia. We mentioned the Flyers. Uh, you know, maybe the, the big example of this in Philadelphia sports history uh, was Eric Lindros, the Hall of Fame Flyer, who had a major, major falling out with the team, um, with uh, his his parents acting as his representation. It did not go well. Um, you know, and so it requires uh, some negotiating with kid gloves, and um, you know, it has to be handled delicately. Definitely, definitely. So, so what else? Uh... You, you mentioned the big case, which I think is, you know, it's not even a case at this point, but it, it kind of tees up. It will be. It will, it will be. It, 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 there's even invitations to bring one, as a matter of fact. And you were deeply involved. You we mentioned this before with the Northwestern case, which was the last time, um, I, I guess it's the, what are they called? Is it the local arm of the NLRB? Yeah. Why don't you explain where we are where and where we've been. Yeah. So back in, in 2015, uh, 2014, 2015, the football players at Northwestern university, which is one of, uh, and I believe it is still the number 17, uh, private institutions at the FBS level of 120 plus, um, that, um, tried to unionize. And there's a lot behind the scenes that, that went on that I can't really get into. Uh, but suffice it to say that, you know, it behooves the labor movement in the United States to have college athletes be unionized. And uh, the football team at, uh, at Northwestern, uh, the athletes voted to uh, pursue that strategy and pursue unionization. Um, and the university uh, fought against that and believed it was inappropriate for the athletes to form a bargaining unit. And it went in front of uh, local, uh, you know, the, the, the local uh, piece. And without getting into it, the, the regions, there's regional directors across the, and the U.S. is broken into regions. It went in front of the regional director of the National Labor Relations Board. Um, the Northwestern football players won the right in front of the local, at the local level uh, to, uh, to unionize. Uh, and then uh, the case was brought to the full board uh, and the full board actually refused to grant jurisdiction, refused to, to uh, exercise jurisdiction uh, over the case. Uh, and so didn't rule on the matter of whether or not the, uh, the football players at Northwestern were indeed employees of the university. So the next step. And so that was kind of the status quo. And, and, you know, as, as someone who was part of the representation team of Northwestern university, uh, we were very happy about that. And, you know, ultimately the student athletes, not just in Northwestern, but in a lot of other places wound up getting significant gains, uh, in, you know, what they are able to get from the university. It just wasn't through the lens of collective bargaining. Uh, it wasn't through that means. And, you know, you could argue about whether or not, um, those things. And there are uh, people, public opinion seems to be more on the side now of kids getting, um, you know, the student athletes getting what they, uh, you know, being able to monetize name image likeness, obviously being able to, you know, make, make some money. Um, but it really was, this was not about that. This was more about the means and whether or not they should be able to collectively bargain and form a union and all of the negative impacts that can have on the landscape of intercollegiate athletics. So we fast forward uh, during the waning days of the Trump administration, um, their general counsel issued a, uh, a memo that's, that's not entirely dissimilar in its effect um, on, um, on, on intercollegiate athletics, uh, ruling that student athletes were employees. 
Um, and then that, that was later rescinded, um, that, uh, that opinion. Uh, and now, uh, the general counsel, Jennifer Abruzzo, um, it, it, it wrote this opinion that was issued that came out of nowhere this week. Um, you I know, the, ask you, Scott, I mean, it, it, was there, it really came out of nowhere. This was a shocker. This is just something they, they do on occasion, like a, like a, a letter from the securities exchange commission. Just, we want to give clarity to, to the world on this. Yeah. Um, and so that's exactly right. So, uh, the NLRB, um, has, and through this general counsel, uh, memo, uh, so the GC of the NLRB uh, has said that college athletes essentially are school employees and, and actually refuse to use the language student athlete. Um, and uh, so that was interesting, too. Um, and uh, the, the ultimately explained why college athletes uh, in her mind are characterized as employees under the National Labor Relations Act. So just to be clear, this is not a legal ruling in and of itself. Um, you know, it's a, it was sent to the regional directors. It's not a legal ruling, but it does provide a path uh, for the athletes at private colleges and private colleges and universities to be compensated as laborers. Um, now, on its face, this affects only private schools, right? Private institutions, um, and you know, the NLRB only has jurisdiction over private businesses. But uh, there is some language that is going to be cited. Uh, you, you know it's coming. The point in that memo that points the way for all the athletes uh, at public institutions to benefit. Well, you so know, the, the the file I put this in. I mean, it's it's the Kavanaugh dissent in Austin. It, it's sort of saying, yeah. you know, Kavanaugh said, "Look, if, if you want to come back here and um, seek compensation, I'm I'm all for it. I'm not no other justices jo- joined with him in saying that. This this is saying, hey, look, if you want to unionize." especially private schools, come on, you, you're likely to get a favorable ruling. I mean, you don't know, right? That, that's your yeah. point. You don't, you don't know until you actually file. You don't know until you have all the specifics of the case. But this is, you know, again, I'm not uh, that uh, 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 literate in labor law and, and how often this kind of letter comes out. But it's it, it was intriguing. I, you know, I, I learned about it on um, that the news ticker of the day on Twitter. <laughs> Just you know, kind of saw this pop. I said, "Well, what, what's I didn't know there was a case going on." And, and then, as I read further, then I understood as as you explained it that, that this is this is where we are. So, so what what do you think this means, and what what are the things that we'll possibly see next? You know, it's, it's it's your weekly Nostradamus. uh. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, it's it's really interesting. The so first of all, just a little bit more background on on Jennifer Abruzzo. Um, She's been the GC for a little over two months since she's 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 taken on that role and has been confirmed of NLRB. So she so she she came on board this summer. Um, So far, um, the. uh, her, her, at least her tendency has been to be quite pro-labor um, in a lot of these rulings. So this would fall in line with that and it's not out of character. Um, and so uh, where does it go now? So where it goes now um, is I think ultimately, and again, when you take this in line with, you know, the, the Supreme Court decision in NCAA v. Alston, um, you know, what's going on with, you know, now with name image likeness, um, you know, what's going on with conference realignment, you know, these big question, the NCAA constitution, 
being revisited. These are big questions, right? right? And this is one more big question that and big issue for the NCAA member institutions to address. Like they needed this like a hole in the head, right? <laughs> as, 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 as one more thing to, to address. Well, this um, is, you know, as you're saying that, what I, what I keep thinking about too is all of these athletic directors resigning. Yeah, kind of all the the uh, <laughs> we now have. I mean, it was for many. It was the dream job. Now this is, you know, this is this is the dog catcher. I mean, it, it's a very difficult job with very few rewards, and and you might get bit. I mean, so so there are a lot of people pulling out because of these this kind of difficulty that's that's existing now. As you said, conference realignment, this name, image, and likeness thing is is overwhelming people. And it's really going to play into uh, their, their results call, how successful uh, basketball and, and, and football are in terms of recruiting and the like. And, and then you got this, you know, oh boy, will we be the school that decides to, to lead the unionization effort? Uh, and and there now there's this, this pathway. So yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's a very... Ken, this is coming. I mean, you know, I think the... Uh, if the if the if the student athletes or as uh, general counsel of Russo now yes, refers to them as play, players as academic institute players at academic institutions as they're now referred to, um, if if it, if they haven't been contacted already, it's coming soon. Um, you know the 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 moment of reckoning. Um, you know for. Uh, the for the for these academic institutions, the private schools in particular, uh, it's coming. Um, you know, and so. You know, and it's it's natural. You've got again. I think the Kavanaugh analogy is a good one, uh, where you've got kind of fodder, um, right, for for these kinds of challenges, um, and it's ripe. Uh, this made it ripe again, uh, and you know, I, I think we'll we'll see something here. You know, I mean, there's there's also been. You know, again, just the, the whole notion of like players at academic institutions, like right. doing away with it, with the, yeah, look, it was an NCAA created term, this Walter, term, student Walter athletes. Byers. Walter Byers, it was self-serving, right? They didn't want the student athletes to get, uh, have access to workers' comp. Um, you know, I, I mean, that's the, the bottom line with it. So, you know, while I am all for, and we've talked about this in a lot of different contexts, um, you know, the student athlete getting more rights and, you know, guardrails need to be put in place. I think we're, you know, we're still in the early stages of that. Um, but while I'm all for that, I, I really, I'll stand by, by where I was, you know, earlier on this, unionization is not the pathway for this. Um, and so maybe the threat of this leads to additional gains by the, by the athletes at the, at the various institutions. Um, but collective bargaining um, is is fraught with with issues uh, on both sides. Scott, if we were law professors worth half our salt, we would have written a very quick law review article on this about what what does all this this mean? I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great point. All these elements that that, that are there to to you, you got to lay out what the the law is where it seems to be tipping and then make some estimations of where it can go, but provide the policy and the changes that could make the world better. Yeah. And I, and look, I'm, I'm working on something like that with one of our students right now on, um, uh, on name image likeness and, and, you know, what a federal, what federal model federal legislation should look like. 
uh, on that front. So I'm doing that piece of it. This piece now just pops up, um, you know, and it's funny, the, um, you know, it's one of those things you wish you could do it, but I've still got this memo, um, this expert opinion that has never been submitted to the court. It was used in all the arguments of the memo itself, and it was actually cited on appeal um, as the rationale for the decision by the NLRB in the Northwestern case. It just wasn't the Rosner memo that was cited. It was part of our arguments. Uh, it's ready to go. I just, you know, um, there's certain things you can and can't do. <laughs> you know, uh, the, 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 that pesky bar association, um, you know, and ethical boundaries may have something to do with that one. So, well, well uh, mail it to yourself at some point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Google Drive, Ken. Google Drive. There's some path there, right? Right. Yeah, no, no question. So, um, yeah. So, so we'll see. I mean, this is. It, it's really. It just came out of the blue. Um, you know, it really, uh, it really did. Um, and you know, the other piece of this, there's other cases. Um, involving uh, school in Boston, involving Columbia University, uh, my institution that is that was cited. Um, can't get into that for you know for somewhat obvious reasons, um, but you know that was cited as uh, as precedent in this case too. So uh, we'll see. Again, I disagree. I don't know where you fall on this. I'm curious as to your your thoughts on it. But well, um, I've, I've always you know unionization and representation. I'm, I am all for it. I'm all for the concept. I just think, again, it's the execution is what's difficult that you've got students in and out pretty quickly and um, very few retain some sort of connection after they leave. So, so the membership is, is difficult to figure out how to maintain and have it truly be a, a um, what's it called? A academic athlete. Whatever the yeah, phrase, yeah, yeah, players at academic institutions. Players at academic institutions. Yeah. Well, you know, and I look at it too. Look, and this this affects private schools, right? Yeah. So let's use the Big Ten, Northwestern, as an example of that. So what happens when the student athletes at Northwestern, which is the only private institution in the Big Ten, I believe, right? Um, and the alma mater of one Sam Shropshire, former former player at academic institution, right? What happens when those student athletes collectively bargain for something that might be favorable to them? Um, and on the flip side, um, students at my alma mater, University of Michigan, and at Michigan State, where state employees are not allowed to, they're state schools, obviously, they're not allowed to be unionized, right? So it's a, just in one conference, well, you, you know, an equal playing field. So it becomes another recruiting advantage, possibly, for for the private institution. It absolutely does. Especially right? in the NIL atmosphere. Not only do we have this mega NIL kind of support, we we also allow you to, to have this representation. And guess what? You guys have negotiated this amount because we also uh, have the Kavanaugh opinion that, uh, that says, you know, this, this is going to be okay. Could be healthcare for life. It could be a salary. It could be a lot of things, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that are collectively bargained. So, um, you know, I think that, I think you're right. The practicalities of it uh, make it really challenging to, you know, to allow that and to maintain, um, you know, kind of not necessarily the integrity, but a, a level playing field across right. uh, the intercollegiate athletic landscape. Well, it's been great, Scott. We, I think we got uh, got two big ones 
knocked off and we'll see how they play out. Both of them will be in play the Lamar Jackson kind of self-representation and what's going to happen in terms of unionization of what are they called again? <laughs> players. players at academic institutions. All right. All right. Well, we'll by, by next show, I'll have that down, down pat. Absolutely. Well, uh, until then, Ken, this has been the Sports Professors Podcast. Uh, Ken Tropshire, Scott Rosner. See you next time. Take care. The Sports Professors Podcast is brought to you by Global Sport Matters in collaboration with Columbia University. For more news and to sign up for our newsletter from Global Sport Matters, go to globalsportmatters.com. And for more from the Columbia University Sport Management Program, go to sps.columbia.edu slash sports. This episode was produced by me, Kendall Jones, Manager of Events and Programs at the Global Sport Institute. And huge thanks to our sound designer and editor, Sam Esparza and Big U Music. Global Sport Matters podcast is a production of the Global Sport Institute at Arizona State University. Our manager of marketing and communications is Crisal Valencia. Our digital communication specialist is Brendan Clean. And our marketing and event assistants are Natalie Skegan, Aiden Corrales, and Kate Nelson. Find more episodes by searching for the Global Sport Matters podcast and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Stay up to date with the Global Sport Matters team by following us on Twitter. We're at Global Sport MTRS.